What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to the Monday early evening edition, everybody. Hope your uh, week three went well. Hope you enjoyed the Sunday night show. Hope you're going to get some pizza for dinner tonight. And if you are, how about ordering your favorite online from Little Caesars and using Pizza Portal Pickup? It's the latest, greatest, and hottest way to pick up a pizza without even going to the register. And I'll tell you about that a little bit later when we have Will Brinson and Chris Towers on. But right now we have Dr. Brandon Bowers. He's a contributor on Sportsline. Dr. Bowers, welcome to Fantasy Football Today. How you doing? Adam, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show to chat about some injuries here. Oh, I know. I wish we didn't have to do it, but, you know, <laughs> the number one pick in fantasy drafts, in many fantasy drafts, Saquon Barkley, he could... What do you think of the timeline is? We've seen four to eight weeks, high ankle sprain. What are you thinking here for Barkley? Yeah, really, the, the timeline that they've given the four to eight, and I saw it four to six before he had his MRI, is really right on par with what we typically see with this type of injury. When we have a high, high ankle sprain, it's an injury to the syndesmosis joint, which is a stable joint that's right above the ankle. And when it's injured, it becomes very unstable and becomes problematic. So I'd say four to eight weeks is right on course with what we typically see clinically. And he should be... Back to being 100% afterwards? Afterwards, he'll probably be a little bit limited. There's a chance that this thing will bark at him the rest of the season. Okay. It'll really take probably a full off season for him to get 100% right. Uh, but he should be pretty close to 80 to 90% when he does come back after his rehab, after the shutdown time of 48 weeks. Now you, like I said, you're a Sportsline contributor, so you write a weekly column for Sportsline? I do. That comes out every Thursday morning, and I'll discuss injuries uh, each week. Uh, the, the guys that we're hitting on here today will all be included in the injury report. I discuss return-to-play timetables. I'll dive into the anatomy and physiology of these injuries from a, a clinical and work side of things. So that way, uh, can, uh, consumers of the Sportsline content will have good information to help make decisions about their fantasy football teams. So how how do you deal with injury reports with uh? You know, all the questionables. We don't have probable anymore as of a few years ago now. Right. Uh, have you been able to read in between the lines, basically, with some different coaches, different teams, and their injury reports? Yeah, I mean, it, it can be a little bit difficult at times, but what, what I rely on heavy is just my clinical experience when you have an idea of certain injuries. For example, a soft tissue injury, a hamstring or a quad, which we'll chat about with some guys here in a little bit, uh, tend to be a little more finicky. So it's more of a, a, a true questionable in that situation. Other injuries like an ankle sprain or, or, or something else like that questionable might lean more towards them actually being able to play, but it, it can still be a little bit difficult to get a vibe. 
with that probable probable designation having been done away with a, a couple years ago. All right, we've got Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon. Edelman with a rib contusion, Josh Gordon who returned with a hand injury. Man, I saw enough of that Patriots game. It seemed like Josh Gordon was taking a hard tumble to the ground almost every time he went out for a pass. He just got beat up, but he did uh, stay in the game, and I think he led the team in receiving. But do you think we could be looking at absences here for Edelman and Gordon? I think an absence for Edelman is going to be a little bit more likely than for Gordon. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that Edelman's going to miss some time. He's going to have an MRI later today to evaluate the integrity of his rib cartilage. The x-rays came back normal on his actual ribs, so that's good. There's no rib fracture, but the rib cartilage is what they're looking at now. So, again, we're early in the week, so I'd say right now he's probably 50-50 for week four. As for Gordon... He's dealing with a little bit of a hand and a finger injury. He was able to return to the game, which is usually a good indicator that these guys will be okay moving forward. So in terms of either one of these guys missing time, I'd say it'd be Edelman over Gordon if any time needs to be missed. I'm going to ask you about a couple of players who re-aggravated an injury, but I did want to plug Sportsline. I kept forgetting to do that. Sportsline's awesome. You get the injury analysis from Dr. Bowers, but you also get great gambling advice, great fantasy advice. It's just a really cool uh, website. It's only $9.99 a month, but if you want your first month for $1, go to sportsline.com and use the promo code HUDDLE. Promo code is HUDDLE. And I do want to thank everybody for all of your five-star reviews. It is so, so appreciated. And we'll do our best to read your iTunes questions. If you leave us a review in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, um, five-star review with a question, we'll try to read them on the Wednesday show and the Saturday mailbag, which will be start or sit. Uh, so please, um, you know, please keep on giving us good reviews and helping spread the word, tell your friends, all that stuff and, and help us grow. All right. So how do you feel when players re-aggravate an injury as T.Y. Hilton did with a quad and LaShawn McCoy did with an ankle? You know, this is really cause for concern here, Adam, especially with Hilton in this quad. The, the, the quad strain falls into a bucket of injuries that we refer to as soft tissue injuries. So your, your pulled quads, your pulled hamstrings, your pulled calves, what have you. And when we have these re-injuries, these things typically turn into a longer season problem. So Hilton was dealing with this injury going into uh, the game yesterday, and he was a limited participant in practice last week, and, and then he tweaked it again. So what may have initially been a two- to four-week thing may take more, more in the realm of, of four to six weeks. Uh, so the team doesn't seem too concerned that's going to be the case here for Hilton, but that's what we'll typically see with these, re- with these re-injuries. When we're looking at a guy like LaShawn McCoy, dealing with an ankle sprain to the ankles on the outside of the ankle. Again, the the team doesn't seem too concerned. It's going to be a big problem for McCoy, but anytime you re-aggravate an ankle injury, these ligaments become overstretched again, the stability is compromised, and then we really kind of got to take a couple steps back and rehab to make sure we get this thing right. So there's definitely an opportunity for both of these guys to extend their rehab and extend this issue further into the season, but time's really going to tell. Keep an eye on their practice participation this week, and that'll give us a good indication of each of their statuses for week four. Finally, Brandon, I want to ask you about Cam Newton, who's already been ruled out for week four. And it, you know, it doesn't seem like he's all that close, but I just don't know. He's got a foot injury that he hurt in the preseason. He's re-aggravated it. Again, another you know, re-aggravation of an injury. So you know, if you're a Cam Newton fantasy owner, what are you expecting right now? I'm expecting him to miss some time. I mean, to be honest with you, Adam, when we're dealing with these midfoot injuries, especially in Cam Newton, who's a dual threat quarterback who gets it down 
uh, gets it done through the air and on the ground, this becomes problematic. And, and what becomes problematic is his ability to plant on that, on that foot and change direction quickly. So I don't anticipate this to be another week or two thing. Uh, I really do believe that this could turn into a four or five or six week issue. So if I've got Cam Newton on my fantasy team, I'm exploring other options uh, either within the Panthers organization or elsewhere, because I don't, I don't think this thing's going to be resolved here over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Could be Kyle Allen for all of you out there. If you need a quarterback, uh, Brandon, how can we follow you on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter, you guys can find me at BLBowers12. And as Adam mentioned, I'm on there doing the Sportsline Injury Report every week that drops every Thursday with details of all the, the big-time injuries to NFL players and their impact on your fantasy football teams. Awesome stuff, man. Thank you so much. And we'll hope we uh, hope to hear from you again. All right, Adam, thanks for having me on. That is Dr. Brandon Bowers. And we got much more to come as we will uh, now talk to Chris and Will. All right, we're going to bring on Will and Chris now, but... Have you ordered pizza online from Little Caesars yet? If not, you're missing out on Pizza Portal Pickup. What is Pizza Portal Pickup? It's like getting a pizza right out of the oven yourself. You walk in, you enter a code on the portal, a door opens, and you're off with your favorite pizza. And whatever pizza you order, it'll have crazy, crazy amounts of toppings. It's fun. Give it a try. But it's only available at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. Brinson, Brinson, what's up, man? <laughs> Man, I love Little Caesars because it reminds me of my the halcyon days of my childhood when uh, because you know Little Caesars, right? You get like you know two pizzas for the price of one. Right. Your um, parents would always order Little Caesars for sleepovers, always. And so uh, I love eating Little Caesars. It's delicious, and it reminds me of when you got body slammed by Eric Young during the telethon, which That's is also true too. cool. It's true too. Chris Towers is here. What's up, Chris? I ate a lot of Little Caesars in college. They're not paying me to say that. That was just uh, my body was like 40% Little Caesars during my <laughs> college. 60% alcohol, 40% Little exactly. Caesars. That was pretty much a very yeah. healthy combination. Well, we got some, uh, some buy or sell from Will and some awesome stats from Chris. Let's react, though, to Saquon Barkley out four to eight weeks. Uh, you know, we just talked about it with Dr. Bowers, but... Um, uh, four to eight weeks could be closer to eight weeks and it's a, just a huge blow to fantasy owners. So Chris, what are you uh, writing up on the website right now on C on CBS sports.com slash fantasy? Yeah, I'm going to be looking at some waiver wire options and some, I think specifically buy low running backs that you can target, uh, to replace Saquon Barkley. There's no replacing Saquon Barkley and especially not on the waiver wire. Cause right now, I would say the top running back that you could go get is Rex Burkhead, who's 47% owned and is coming off of a very good game, but that was with James White sideline. So that kind of tells you the state of running back. Your other options could be someone like Darrell Williams, Ronald Jones, who has now outplayed Peyton Barber in two out of three games for the Buccaneers, whatever that might mean to you. And then Alexander Madison, if you're looking for some upside, uh, he's not someone that I think you can start on a weekly basis quite yet, but if anything happens to Dalvin Cook, I think it's fair to say Madison right now looks like arguably the top handcuff in fantasy. Well, but are you putting all these guys ahead of Wayne Gallman? <sighs> you kind of have to, right? Like, no, this, I don't think. I don't, I, think I, I, look, I don't know how you, what you guys think. I still think this Giants offense is probably going to be pretty bad. Uh, Daniel Jones was very impressive in Week One. They get Golden Tate back in Week Fives. Uh, Daniel Jones was really impressive in his first game, not week one, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sterling Shepard's fine. Evan Ingram's good. But this isn't going to be a team that scores a lot of points. Wayne Gallman, I think Heath pointed out uh, earlier today on Twitter that Wayne Gallman has been one of the three least efficient receiving backs in the NFL since he 
became an, a, a regular player. Doesn't I matter. Just don't that's, see that's, jump side. That doesn't really matter to me. I mean, he hasn't had much passing game opportunity. He hasn't played with Daniel Jones. Uh, I just don't think there's enough sample size there. To, he's probably he's not that good. He's not that good. It's just, it's just, you're you're such just, a, are you going to take? A, no, I'm not. You're I'm not adorable Giants. Fan. No, I'm not. I'm not adorable at all. But are you going to take? I'm not saying I know the answer here. But are you going to take Wayne Gallman, who might have a starting job for roughly six weeks, or Rex Burkhead, who you know might might be pretty limited? You, you know what I mean? It's like you've got a starter well, here. So I, I think. I probably lean Gallman over uninspiring options. I'd actually go Ronald Jones over Gallman. Here's why you should go Rex Burkhead over uh, Wayne Gallman. The next four games for the, let's say, Saquon Barkley's probably going to miss six weeks. I think it's six plus. I think it's probably six to eight. Four would be an incredible recovery, and that'd be awesome. Um I don't. I, I think it would probably be more. I think the Giants would be cautious with them. I don't think they want to rush Saquon Barkley back. Uh, they know that this season, even though you know they they're now one and two, um, they're probably not going to. Comp- I mean, maybe they think they can compete. I, I don't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But they get the Redskins, Vikings, Patriots, and Cardinals the next four weeks. Cardinals defense, I think, is a little bit better than maybe it showed yesterday. Um, but the Vikings and the Patriots are tough matchups. The Patriots have. The Patriots are allowing. Uh, I need to see. I mean, it's only going to go down because the jet, they, they snuffed the jets out. They were allowing 0.12 points per drive coming into the two that coming into week three and 19.96 yards per drive. They were allowing less than 20 yards per drive. So, uh, them plus the Vikings, you're not getting good matchups with Gallman. And, um, I think when you look at the Patriots, what we've seen and Chris, this is why I would lean towards Rex Rexburg had being a good option is when they've gotten a lead. They have been more than happy to go with Rex Burkhead in these early games because they don't want to wear down Sonny Michelle and they want to have him fresh for the end of the year. They get the Bills, Redskins, Giants, and Jets over the next four weeks. I think Rex Burkhead's probably going to see a pretty substantial workload over that stretch of time because they're going to be winning those games. Maybe the Bills game is close. They're, you know, they're favored by seven on the road. But if they're up big against these teams, they're going to use Rex Burkhead to close things out. If James White is missing, then they're going to feed him in the passing game too. And and the nice thing, and oh, James White, White was missing. just out because yeah, of the be the birth of his child. But what if he take? What if James White takes like six weeks of paternity leave? He's not Jamie Eisenberg. <laughs> no. no, the uh, but the the other thing that you want to keep in mind with Burkhead is if James White does get hurt, or Sony Michelle, who has a history of knee issues dating back to high school. Uh, misses time. Burkhead's kind of the guy who bridges the gap between the two of them. They use him in the passing game. They use him in short yardage. They've split him out wide uh, as a receiver in the past. And Sonny Michel's also just been horrendous this season. He has yeah, one he really broken has. tackle on 45 carries so far. He has one more broken tackle than I do so far <laughs> this season. Yeah, that's uh, a good stat. Good stat. He's just been terrible. And so there's a chance that Sonny Michel, you know, Dave wrote this in the early waiver wire look uh, that's up on CBS Fantasy now. There's a chance that Sonny Michelle just continues to lose work to Rex Burkhead just on the merits. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess I'd just say that if there's one guy out there who's most likely to get 15 carries, it's Gallman. But that doesn't mean they'll be good. Um, yeah. And I and I just I don't like this for Daniel Jones because I no. he played really well yesterday, but I think uh, I think losing Barkley is a huge deal for him. It's yeah, so it's a problem. But I would. Look, if you're, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're in a two quarterback league, you want to snag Daniel Jones. And I mentioned that the the tough stretch there, but I mean, like, I think D- Daniel Jones is with the way that Pat Shermer called that game, utilizing read option as the read option plays as much as he did, and with Jones being a willing scrambler, this is a guy who's got a really nice floor in terms of a starting quarterback, and even in like a twelve team standard league, in my opinion. 
All right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's do the buy or sell. Um, what's your first buy or sell, Will? Uh, I'm supposed to have those ready. Oh, it's about Keenan Allen. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going to buy the idea that Keenan Allen and his massive target share can finish the season as the number one wide receiver in fantasy. It's not even close right now. He is, he is like almost 20. He's 18 points ahead of Julio Jones. He has uh, 29 catches, 404 yards, and three touchdowns, and 42 targets. And I don't see anyone else who has more than 42 30, targets 33 three targets. Weeks. Michael Thomas, I think, is second at 33. That's crazy. Yeah. And nobody else on that team even has 21. Nobody else has as many as half as him. Uh, Austin Eckler has 20. So the next, the number two wide receiver is Mike Evans with 15. I, the one thing I would say from this is that maybe Mike Evans is, or Mike Williams, sorry, is is maybe a buy low in this Chargers offense just because they can't keep giving Keenan Allen 36% of uh, Phillip Rivers' targets, can they? No. I mean, they kind of can, but like the thing about Keenan Allen is, He's not, uh, he's not like Mike Evans. Like he's a chain, he's an incredible mm-hmm. route runner. He's a chain mover, and and without Hunter Henry to really be that third down type of guy, Philip Rivers has to lean on Keenan Allen. Now, maybe I agree with you. Mike Williams is a great buy low, especially because one would think that at some point. Uh, teams would start, uh, you know, maybe rolling a little coverage Keenan Allen's way. The Texans were Adam Archuleta, our, our CBS sports colleague was eviscerating them. The Texans defensive approach and Romeo Crudell on, on that broadcast. Cause they were playing like six yards off Keenan Allen. <laughs> He's just, just getting free release off the line of scrimmage and they're just plopping it right to him. 17 targets, 13 catches. I, I would not, I wouldn't dream of trading Keenan Allen in a PPR situation. Cause I think if he plays 16 games, he can be the wide receiver one. Um, but like, I mean, I don't even know if you can sell high on him because I mean, it has to get come it? down some. Yeah, you get DeAndre Hopkins, maybe. Would you trade him for? Would you trade him for Devontae Adams? I don't. I, I'd rather uh, have Keenan Allen. Yeah, I think I think the Chargers are in a situation where their defense isn't as good as we thought it was. Um, their their running game is fine, but it's mostly like supplemented through Austin Eckler in the passing game, and Philip Rivers is just going to have to throw the ball a ton this year, and so. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I think I think Green Bay looks like it's got a great defense and they're fine running the ball and sort of being neutered in terms of what the Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. I, I I love Hopkins, obviously. If you can flip Keenan out for Hopkins, it's hard not to do it. But what if Deshaun Watson doesn't play 16 games? I, mean, I think that's more realistic than Phillip Rivers stopping throwing the ball. Okay. And he's another guy who has had bad touchdown luck in his career. I don't know if it's luck, but he's never had more than eight and he's already got three Keenan Allen. So that's Julio Jones. Breaking the mold. T.Y. Hilton so far breaking the mold. All right, let's get to your next buy or sell, Will. Do you have it or do you need an assist? I've got it up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to buy that Kyle Allen makes the Panthers wide receivers and tight ends. Greg Olson. Um, and obviously, of course, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, startable in fantasy moving forward. Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. Startable with Kyle Allen under center. Curtis Samuel got two targets. That's the one that I would say. Yeah, I, I, I think. I know, I'm sorry. Moore, I'm sorry. DJ Moore. DJ I Moore. I won my first DFS targets. league, DFS tournament, big tournament using a Curtis Curtis Samuel Kyle Allen stack. So suck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't know. Look, is he better than an injured Cam Newton? Yeah. Is he better than a than a good Cam Newton? I don't. Th- I I would hope. I would think no. One of the reasons why I like. Uh, Cam Newton so much coming into this season besides the fact that last year especially before the injury late uh, it was the best passing season we'd ever seen from him was this was the best collection of weapons that he'd ever had Uh, DJ Moore Curtis Samuel Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey Greg Olson 
looks to be back to where he was before the the foot injuries the last two seasons. So I think for me, it might be more that maybe it's less Kyle Allen makes the Panthers uh, skill position player startable than they're good enough to overcome whatever Kyle Allen's deficiencies might be, which may not be that great based on what we've seen in his two NFL starts. Well, I, I think one of the things with the the Panthers offense too, is that remember, this is not with what they want to do with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel there. This is not like the old days of Mike Shula where they would run go routes and, and just try and get separation down the field. They can beat you deep. And Kyle Allen showed that he's a like already is a better deep ball thrower than the injured Cam Newton clearly. Um, but because they like to use those guys in like satellite type of ways around the line of scrimmage, you can be accurate and just hope that they get yards after the, the catch. Now, I'm not saying that Curtis. I'm not saying Curtis Samuel is a wide receiver one, but people, you know, if you dra- if you drafted him expecting him to become your be your wide receiver three, become your wide receiver two, uh, I feel like there is a chance of it happening, or at least but, him being a wide receiver three or flex guy with Kyle Allen. Whereas, but wait, 48 well, hours. But but, well, but but isn't Kyle Allen going to play like one or two more games? I mean, should we be having this I conversation? I am not of that opinion. No. All right. Uh, but I think you believe be for sure when Cam Newton's healthy, Cam's starting, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, let's g- give me uh, give me one more buy or sell, Will. It's gonna think I made three buys. Oh, you want one buy or you want to sell? It doesn't matter. Give me one more, and then we'll tell you if we buy or sell. But you can obviously. Oh, you know, well, that's opine not as well. I was told to do fine. Uh, the Browns. I guess that game would be more fun. The Browns is a fantasy. Fr- the Browns are not a fantasy friendly offense until Freddie Kitchens gives up the play calling. You're buying. Buy you're, you're saying no. I'm I'm selling the Browns and buying that idea. Okay, that's what I meant. Uh, you're selling the Browns as a fantasy friendly offense while Freddie Kitchens is is uh, calling plays. But um, but I would also buy low on the Browns right now. I think it's a good time to buy low on the Browns. Man, I think you know. Look. I think a draw play on fourth and nine is actually is a great idea. You know, it's probably going to work. Didn't, he, didn't, he didn't know it was fourth down. He had no idea. You think so? I mean, it's better than like thinking that fourth and draw is a good move. I don't know. I'm <laughs> so gonna, my question, I'm going to sell. I, I, well, I think it's, I think the offensive line is the problem here. I mean, they can't drop back and throw. They have no, he has no time. Uh, but I've seen teams overcome off bad offensive lines before. So I'm going to sell. I'm going to say that the Browns offense is fine, except for Landry. So it's just Mayfield, Chubb, and Beckham, I think, are, are really good and, and will be good. Who? Yeah, who are we buying low on is my question. It has to be Mayfield. Like, I, don't think, I don't think anybody's worried about Chubb, given the workload that he's gotten. I think he played 98% of their snaps yesterday, if not 100. Uh, and Odell Beckham's averaging 96 yards per game. Now, a lot of that came on you know, an 89-yard touchdown, but... The overall mean, number. Are you are you are you telling me that today Odell Beckham's owner, who drafted him ostensibly in the first round or in late or early in the second round, is sitting around with his feet up on his desk going, or he or, she, or her desk perhaps, uh, going, ah, life is good. Odell Beckham is fine, and this is and this is fine. I mean, like he's just drinking a cup of coffee in a burning house and isn't freaking out about Odell Beckham at all. Are you sure about that? I think they should be. I, I think okay, he had fifty six catches, fifty six yards on six catches yesterday. That's not great, but. That's basically like he's had 11 targets, 10 targets and nine targets. So there's no workload concerns. He's had the one huge game and then he's had two. like if the floor is 11 PPR points, which is what we've seen from him so far. I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about. Oh, no, back now, if if that person is concerned, I'm telling them not. To be. 
I'm going to, yeah, exactly. I agree. He's got 30 targets. He has 9, 10, and 11 in three games. If he averages 10 targets per game, if Beckham gets 160 targets, he's going to have a great year. He is historically a slow starter. And he's going to, yeah, well, hold on. Last point. He he will overcome a bad offensive line because Chris Collinsworth pointed it out time and time again last night on the broadcast. When, when it was taking, uh, Mayfield, more than two and a half seconds to throw. They were very unsuccessful because their tackles stink. Guess what? Beckham played his entire Giants career, basically, with a bad offensive line. Last year was okay. So he'll be fine. I think they'll be all right. And um, I'm not worried about Beckham at all. Odell Beckham is like, we we can't be sure that Odell Beckham is going to be good with a a mediocre quarterback playing bad offensive line. (laughs) Right, exactly. I feel like it can be. Yeah. I I guess you guys are sort of, okay, I don't think that in the mindset of the average Nick Chubb or Odell Beckham fantasy owner right now that they are happy with what, like, I think they're concerned about the state of the Browns. I mean, the Browns are just concerning in general. And so my point would be that you could go to said right, uh, Nick right. Chubb owner or said Odell Beckham owner and try and make a buy low offer. And I, I mean, maybe you go and would you offer, would you, if somebody offered you Austin Eckler for Nick Chubb, would yep. you hang up the phone and discuss? No, I take it. I, I, I would. Oh no, 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 no. I, I would rather have Chubb easily. I'd rather Me have too, Chubb. But yeah. I think that the I think that the Eckler, the Chubb owner, might contemplate that offer. Sure. I mean, I, sure. I, I think we're all on the same page um, that Beckham and Chubb are good by low guys. And, and Chubb had another. He had a touchdown call back yesterday, and yep. he should have had a touchdown in Week One, but Hilliard got it. So I mean, like he's there. Short yardage guy. He's got 11 catches in three games. It's, it's good stuff for Nick Chubb. Um, all right, Will, thank you very much for your buy or sells. We're going to get some yeah. stats from Chris. We have exciting news that Will won a FanDuel contest, and I cashed in all three of my contests on FanDuel. I did a 50-50. I did the million-dollar tournament. I think I made uh, 20 bucks in that, and I played an hour of fantasy football today league, you know, for just our listeners at FanDuel.com slash FFT slash join. I cashed in all three, and in two of those three, I had Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, and that is just so fun when you have a combo like that or when you stack a team and you see it all happening, and you're like, oh, dude, I got to check FanDuel, and you know, it's just, it's just really fun on Sundays. So there are more ways to win than ever on FanDuel. Please sign up. If you are a new user, you'll get $20 in site credit. You can do 20 tournaments, 20 contests with, that, with those $20. You get $5 a week in site credit. And if you go to FanDuel.com slash FFT, deposit 20 bucks and get 20 back, basically. You get you get an extra $5 in site credit every week for four weeks. FanDuel.com slash FFT, or you can download the FanDuel app. And it's just great. New teams every week. So much fun. Loving FanDuel. Can't wait to compete against you. Go to FanDuel.com slash FFT. Well, I got to tell you, you know the music I'm about to play now as uh, Chris gets ready to give us some stats. Um, kind of a kind of a weird moment for me. Thirty-five years old, and I found out today for the first time in my life, I need glasses. I need ah! glasses. So this song is for me. I'm part of the the glasses group now. How about that? And I can't see a damn thing because my pupils are dilated. So, Chris, I can't even read your advanced stats. What do you got for us today? Hey, do you want to hear a funny glasses thing, by the way? Uh, my, my entire family, mom, dad, brother, everyone, um, has uh, just horrific, horrible eyesight. My mom is legally blind without her glasses, and I have perfect 20-20 vision. Hey, suck man, it. that's what I thought, too. Will you stop telling us to suck it? That's twice. <laughs> I family. told my family to suck it. 
<laughs> anyway, go on with your stats, Chris. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought, too. Now things have changed. Go ahead, Chris. All right, I didn't want to drop this one earlier because I knew we were coming back to it, but uh, Keenan, uh, okay. you know how good he's been? 42 targets. We were talking about the huge volume. He's also second in the league in yards per route run. He hasn't just been uh, a volume monster. He's also been incredibly efficient. He's playing at an absurdly high level. I'm not sure I've ever seen uh, someone with this kind of target volume and that efficiency. It, it's really impressive what we're seeing so far. It's a great receiver, and it's all coming together. I should mention he had 10 targets in week one. That's when Hunter Henry played. Since then, he has 32 in two games. I did not check the pass attempts for... Um, for uh, Philip Rivers, but uh, you know, no Hunter Henry is helping. All right, what else you got? What's what was the most interesting snap count that you saw in terms of running backs? The most interesting snap count share, I would say, was probably Seattle. Uh, CJ Proseis actually played not just more snaps than Chris Carson in Week Three, but significantly more. He played fifty-five percent of the team snaps compared to forty-four percent for Carson. Now, partially, that was the result of the fact that. Russell Wilson, I believe, threw the ball more than 40 times for the first time in the Schottenheimer era. He threw it over 50 times. Uh, But partially, I think that has to be the result of the fact that Chris Carson has now fumbled the ball three times in three games. He's lost all three of them. Losing all three is partially bad luck. I think technically he might have had a fourth fumble that was charged to Russell Wilson, but could have been on him. He seems to be doing everything he can to give this job away to someone in week three. It was C.J. Procise who benefited, but that was because Rashad Penny was out with a hamstring injury. And we didn't mention him during the Saquon Barkley discussion, but he's available in about 22% of CBS Fantasy Leagues. If he's out there, I'm going to get Rashad Penny anywhere I can. I've got him in a couple of leagues already. I, I think there's a chance he comes back and starts playing 40% of the snaps. Yeah. I drafted Rashad Penny everywhere, and <laughs> it's cost me early in the season. But I think you can tell that he's – I mean, like, I think – Chris Carson's a panic. I mean, like if you're if you're a Chris Carson owner and you invested him, you're pretty panicked right now. I mean, well, that snap count is terrifying. Well, but but they were losing. I mean, so obviously yeah. they got to get your right. pass catching back on the field. After week one, we were all he had what six targets in week one, and we were we were talking about him like, well, wow, he's going to be a, a three down back, and Penny's just going to be. Uh, but question: spe- Do you think there's a difference though between him? you know, being on the field in a close competitive game or with a lead and catching passes there as opposed to, okay, we're really chasing points. We're down three scores. Let's get the guy who's really not going to get a lot of carries and CJ process. Let's really get him on the field because he's probably a better pass catcher. Plus, I don't know how much process is going to play when Penny comes back. You know what I mean? Like if the game were more competitive, I would think that Carson would probably have more catches. He only had one target and one catch in week three, and he had nine catches in his first two games. But Penny also saw a bigger role in week two. Uh, I think it was after Carson lost the first fumble. It was Penny who came on, had like 10 carries for 61 yards and a, a big touchdown. So uh, Carson has gone from mm-hmm. 76% of the snaps in week one, 55 in week two, 44% in week three. That's the exact opposite of what you wanted to see uh-huh. from Chris Carson, who we were so excited about after week one. Yeah, I don't understand how you wouldn't be. I agree with you guys. You can't not be concerned about Carson. Pete Carroll did say he sort of made excuses for Carson. Is it something like it's just been perfect punch outs of the football? But that's what Pete Carroll does. He's he's not critical publicly. And Carson hasn't really been great. I mean, he's at less than four yards per carry. I'm, yeah. Uh, all right. He's, he's a fumble. He's a fumble in every single game. At least one. Yeah. That's just not going to fly. I mean, it led to it. The reason like 
he fumbled against he fumbled against the the Saints and they took it to the house and that yep. led to them being down and him being off the field. Absolutely. All right, Chris, what else? Uh, let's go with a similar one. Josh Jacobs has gone from 73% of the snaps in week one to 48% in week two, 42% in week three. And I think part of that is, you know, maybe the game flow that they've gone with Denver, they beat by one score, then they lost to Kansas City. Uh, they were up in the first quarter and then Kansas City just poured 28 points on them in the second. And then they were down 21 nothing to Minnesota because Minnesota either has a 21 nothing lead or is down 21 nothing in every <laughs> single game wow, so far. That. It's been incredible. Um, but he only had 10 carries and two targets. He was someone that coming into the season, there was some talk about him getting that passing downs work. He actually, I believe, played fewer snaps yesterday than Jalen Richard. And even DeAndre Washington got on the field for 15% of the team's snaps. If he's going to be work or game flow dependent, how many games can you look at on the Raiders schedule and think Josh Jacobs is going to get 15 plus touches, but they've got the Colts coming up. They could, that could be one, but then the bears, a bye, Packers at Packers at Houston and then versus Detroit in week nine, November 3rd. So maybe two of the next six weeks, you can look at Josh Jacobs and say, wow, I feel confident he's going to get a, a healthy number of touches. It's not a great spot to be in. It's not. It's never a good spot if you're not involved in the passing game as another guy that we thought would be, and he just isn't. He has, what, three catches this year? Three it, targets, one catch. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought he had two catches at Minnesota for no yards. But either way, um, yeah, very disappointing. Uh, I would sell as hard as you can on Josh, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs because the Raiders are terrible. They're going to be goodness. losing a bunch, and they're going to be passing a bunch, and he's not going to be out there. Okay. Yeah, what a bummer. Give me another one, Chris Towers. Uh, how about Josh Allen? His average depth of target is down to 8.6 yards this season. He's thrown the ball uh, more than 20 yards, I believe around 15% of the time. Both of those are way down from last season when he led the NFL in both average depth of target and deep attempts. And his deep attempt rate last season was like, I think the only person in the last 15 years who was even close was Tim Tebow the one season with Denver. That helps explain why Josh Allen's been a much more accurate passer. He's still, it seems like every week there's one deep ball where he's, I think it was Zay Jones this week, was open on a, on a deep pass down the, on, down the right sideline that could have been a touchdown. He overthrew him in week two. It was John Brown with one of the most overthrown, wide open deep passes I've seen in a long time. But he's been a lot better and they're game planning a lot better uh, to to minimize his weaknesses, I think. And it's made him look significantly better as a passer. Do you think he's good, Will? Because I'm not really... First of all, I said yesterday on the podcast that I don't think the Bills are going to make the playoffs. I think I just don't think they're very good. And I think a lot of that is I'm not a Josh Allen guy. And from a fantasy standpoint, like 17 points at the Jets, 24 fantasy points at the Giants, and 19 fantasy points against the Bengals, like... I need more. I need more touchdowns. He's got he's got one touchdown pass in each game. I just don't think he's very good, quite honestly. I think he's better than you're giving him credit for. They're not a very sexy offense, and they're not gonna they're not gonna be high volume. I mean, they're this is a defensive this is a defensive heavy team. Like he's not gonna put up huge numbers against the Patriots next week. He's not gonna pile up touchdowns in gobs because they like to run the ball. And I mean, you know, even at 37 or 36 passing attempts and he's completing a high percentage. I mean, I don't, I don't look, you're talking about a guy who's had 
26 rushing attempts in three games. That's pretty good. It's very good. Um, yeah. He's got two rushing touchdowns. So I think the thing with Josh Allen is maybe his floor is just higher than we give him credit for. And he's a safe play in fantasy rather than the guy. He's not going to be the guy who led the league in fantasy points in the final five or six games of the season last year, uh, unless he gets on a hot stretch against bad defenses. But I think he's got a good floor. And, you know, if you're if you're dealing with like big, big Ben, Drew Brees, he's a very viable replacement. Yeah, he just needs to hit on some of these deep passes. Yep. And, and that's the big thing, because he's got this cannon of an arm. He's got John Brown, who seems to get open down the field every week. Uh and, you know, John Brown's been pretty good for fantasy. I think he's going to be a viable option moving forward. But if Josh Allen hits on that long touchdown uh, in week two, if he hits on Z that Zay Jones pass yesterday, he looks a lot different right now. You know, we haven't seen a 300 yard passing game from him, but he could be one play away. And, and, and the other thing I would add too, I agree with you. Look at that schedule after the bye. This is a guy who could go nuclear. Dolphins, Eagles, bad secondary. Redskins, they're not good in the secondary. Browns, they're not good in the secondary. Dolphins again. I mean, that's a five-game stretch where he could put up some mammoth numbers from week seven to week 11. And that's when you're going to be looking for a quarterback who is going to be a, you're going to need a quarterback for your bi-week replacement. So Josh Allen, I think, is a guy to target if he gets dropped this week because people are concerned that his, his ceiling isn't high enough. Okay. All right. Good points there. Let's close with this. Let's close with the Rams. We talked about the Browns a little bit. How about the Rams? Todd Gurley did play 74% of the running back snaps, 74% of the snaps, and Malcolm Brown at 26%, but it was not a good game. And, Will, when I, when I look at the Rams, and I'm sure I'm going to talk about this with Dave and Jamie on Tuesday's show, I look at them and I'm seeing the Eagles from last year where it's just like something's missing from that magical Super Bowl season. And something's been missing from this Rams offense since their bye week, since Cooper Cup got hurt. And Cup, thank goodness for Cooper Cup, man. Um, but I don't know. I, I just... They're, they don't have this explosiveness. Collinsworth, again, I mean, I think he's a great analyst, so I'll cite him a lot. He cited what the Patriots did in the Super Bowl and what the Browns did last night, taking away the outside run plays, and that's hurting the play-action game. I don't think golf is playing that well. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, you know, as, especially as it relates to Todd Gurley, do we have a problem on our hands here? Maybe. I mean, if you don't think Josh Allen's good, how can you think Jared Goff is good? Because oh, golf is golf's been worse than Josh Allen this year by far. Well, I mean, it's like, three games. Allen's, I mean, I, I think God, Jared Jared Allen or Josh Allen's never done what we've seen from Jared Goff. Jared Goff is completing sixty two point nine percent of his passes. Josh Allen's completing sixty four point one percent of his passes. Uh, four three you know, four interceptions, four touchdowns and three wait, interceptions. Wait a second. You know what? This is this bothers me when people do this. Because you're going to sit here and you're going to give me these stats to tell me that Josh Allen's better than Jared Goff. But I know, I know, Will, deep down that you think that Jared Goff is better than Josh Allen. So what are we talking about here? Are we talking about in real life or in yeah. fantasy? Yeah, yeah, real life. Who's better quarterback? I mean, I think that Jared Goff is a potentially very good quarterback. But I I mean, I think Josh Allen can be good, too. I Who's think they a both better quarterback? Very high ceilings. Who's a better quarterback? Who's a better quarterback? I mean, Jared, Jared Goff right now is a better right, quarterback. Exactly. But he's not playing like one. No, he's not. I, he's my, not. My, my concern with the Rams all along was that the, and look, I know that Chris is recording a separate room for me because we're not allowed to be in near each other when we're discussing Todd Gurley. Um, but the, uh, the, um, the offensive line, they replaced two or three, they have two or three new pieces on that offensive line. And Jared Goff was bad down the stretch. Got a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't know that, um, that this Rams offense is necessarily just going to be magically explosive. Now, maybe that changes over the next few weeks. Maybe they played three decent defenses. I mean, do you, do we really think that 
like the Bill Belichick used the Super Bowl to figure out how to stop Sean McVay's offense and Sean McVay just can't change it and he just can't innovate at all. I mean, Cooper Cup has been marvelous. Brandon Cooks has been pretty good. Jared Goff's just not hitting on these throws. These guys are not as wide open most of the time as they were last year, I think is probably the problem. And, and the play action passing game hasn't been working. And I think, yeah. you know, what one thing that we've seen a lot is teams using the the similar six man front that the Patriots used in the Super Bowl and and trying to take away that zone running scheme and as well as the play action game. And Goff isn't necessarily, you know, a Ben Roethlisberger who you just drop back and have him throw it 45 times and they haven't needed him to do it yet. So I do wonder if there are some uh, schematic issues that are limiting them, but I also just throw the ball to Todd Gurley a little more. Yeah. You know, he's six targets and he's looked pretty good overall. I think. All right, guys. Well, I got to run. Thank you. We, we got to run. We're out of time. So um, it's not just me, I promise. Uh, Will and Chris, much appreciated. Good stuff, guys. You got it, buddy. Thanks. All right, cool. Next week. Another. Will and I are going to keep podcasting. You're the one who's pushing us off. We're All just right. going to sit here, no recording, for the next yeah. like 10, 20 minutes. Another awkward outro for Bad Amazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Waiver Wire on Tuesday. Take it easy. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com.